Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going tonight, Mike? Pretty great. I'm a little exhausted, but uh, <laughs> pretty great. It's a long weekend. I think I was up until until 4.35, both Friday and Saturday night. 4.35 a.m. you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Why, 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 pray tell, were you up that late, early in the morning, Dennis? There were games. People wanted to play games, and how could I go to sleep when people uh. were like, let's play a quick game of legendary Big Trouble Little China. It's only <laughs> 3.30. Would, would this be for our good times? Yeah, let's just, let's just start right there. That's what the people are here to see, all of, uh, all of the attendees. <laughs> Yeah, we we had uh, some. Uh, one of the things that I liked about since you've been coming to the to the the thing, we've been doing this show for two years now, or this is our second year. Yeah, and uh, we uh, several people since you've been coming have been like, I mean, I hear them say it. I know you've heard them say that. It's like <laughs> I knew I knew your voice. Your voice was from somewhere. Like, oh, that's, you're that. That's Dennis. that's what I I jokingly said. This is the this is the only context wherein being a podcaster can make me famous is in this tiny group of of people and i mean there's like 30 people there but <laughs> so we we, we had uh, what we're discussing here for those listening is that last weekend we had our yearly uh icg con uh con- i don't know call it convention but it's a a group get together of of many friends from all over the place um from far away come in and uh spend the weekend at my house at gaming from friday at 7 p.m and many times early in Dennis's case, you were there Thursday to yeah. um, Sunday and people, the last person left at like three o'clock. Yeah. Um, no, not really any gaming Sunday, but uh, yeah, g- gaming Sunday is very, very light. It's funny. We say it's that way, but it, it's Sunday is very much a let's all hang out and talk for the last bit and have a, just a, a little bit of uh, what we what we call in 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 tech uh, uh, development world, a postmortem which is weird because right. it implied something died, but it's a, it's right. debriefing. It's a, you know, after action report, but yeah. I guess postmortem is not militaristic, which I don't know right. if it, in an effort to do that, they ended up with something that's even worse, worse but, yeah. but well, anyway, we, 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 we yeah. generally, it's, it's always kind of, ever since the very first one, it's just a natural thing is that people game until five, six in the morning and catch three hours of sleep. And they slowly wake up, and everyone slowly wakes up, and they're just chilling in the area, right? Games yeah. are, that happens on Saturday as well, but they sorting uh, sorting out their games, slowly. loading up the car, and if um, yeah. I'll link to it in the show notes. But if you go back to our our show a year ago, uh, we had a um, we had a guest on Mike Pantinas, and we spoke at length about the origins of the con. And your, I mean, con is a maybe the wrong yeah. word but the the origins right. of the event and sort of the 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 goals behind it that drive the motivation and that's uh if yeah, you that's if you're not last year's. not uh if you're not already familiar with the event that's some of the go back and listen to that one. Yeah, we should we should have mike on the show again i know we've, he's got some great stuff to talk about um so yeah we, we had that and um i know that i stayed up Later than I thought I did was going to on Saturday. I stayed up till like five or no. You, would, I think you went to bed later than me on on Saturday. Uh, uh, I don't think so. I remember last oh, yeah. year you crashed out before I did both nights, and yep. this year I think the opposite was true. Maybe not both nights, but definitely right. the one night I was like, "Yeah, we played 
legendary villains, oddly. <laughs> last game last game of the night was yeah. legendary both times. Like maybe after three AM is the only time that I was uh delirious enough to want to play legendary. But um Yeah. We we had you and I had uh we, we were having a round table each talk right in the middle of the dining room area, right in the middle of the walkway, the whole thing, games being played on both sides of us, you, me, maybe a couple other guys, mm-hmm. just talking about stuff. Just just stuff. Mm-hmm. And at that point I decided I was just so exhausted. I was going to sit on the ground because I was so exhausted and just talk up at you guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I had full intentions to just pass out. Like you guys were going to, at one point there was going to be a lull in the conversation and I was going to crawl back to the bed, to the bedroom because I was just so exhausted. And this was like two or three in the morning. Yeah. It was like three in the morning. And then, you know, you hit that second wind type thing and we're done kind of that lull happens. And the thing that comes out is like, so you want to play legendary? <laughs> and you're like, sure. And we went downstairs and it was like a struggle bus to get through that game. Yeah. Was... I don't know. I don't know what was on the TV wall, but I was watching <laughs> that more than I was paying attention to the game. And also we kept Dennis, Dennis, also Dennis kind of fallen asleep. And, uh, but, and, but you were also winning. Like you were apparently we lost. So I didn't win yeah, right that's how that was, legendary my works, comment was but... i hope we lose so that you your big winning pile doesn't <laughs> <do anything>, so. <laughs> so that we had a uh, my game wall that was new edition this year a couple new a couple new rooms uh reorganized yep. and uh so that that was a good thing good uh, our largest turnout ever uh for those who are are listening and were fortunate enough to attend i think we um hit 34 people total on the whole con 31 at one point was that's the, a lot of uh your, one thing your, your house is not that big that's a lot of people right right it's not that it's not that big 15 people staying staying the entire weekend and sleeping places and uh i saw people on the beanbag and one person <laughs> under the table <laughs> another one just on it like it's just a long wall and he was just tucked on the side of the wall with his head buried in the corner of it it's like <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, yeah, and then we've got, you know, one room will, it's a gaming room, gets dead enough where like a whole four people take it over and it's fall, It's just a bedroom all of a sudden. So, sure, sure. Uh, well, it's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's good times. Um, let's um, let's talk about the games. What's, sure, uh, oh, yeah, okay. What, what did you, what did you get? To, I know you were a pretty busy organizer, moderator, yeah. kind of, not moderator, but you know what I mean. You were, yeah, kind of, I, you were kind of the games pusher, and so you didn't uh, you didn't yeah. get to do as much playing. But what uh, I think you weren't in. So we played Legendary Villains, as mentioned, Saturday night. And yeah. earlier in that evening, you and I and Pat played uh, Heroes Wanted. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a new game that I played. That's um, an old well, Kickstarter game that I got. Ah, uh, man, I don't know, like. 2013 2014 I actually picked it up at gen con and have never played it like it's it's just sitting around it's you know i i'd not i didn't quite know the rules and so there was always something else to play every time i considered it i brought it to icg con last year and it didn't get played and it almost didn't get played this year well there there were several that that uh i because i wanted to play that one last year remember you talking to me about it and and i didn't get to play it um, I, I was looking out for a superhero game, you know, like something that can do it well. Right, and I, right. I've and yet to find a really good one. And knowing how much of a of a comic book guy you are, I brought it last year, thinking if there's anybody who want to play this game, it's Michael. And uh, right, and, and we'll I do it. So, it. 
So you and oh. I, and Pat, played this. How would you describe this game? Uh, P- uh I don't. Hmm. I, I mean, I mean, I describe it as a miniatures game. It is kind of like a miniatures game. So it's it's the, not using miniatures; it's using blocks. Like yeah, blocks there's little cubes. Like it doesn't have and meeples. It doesn't have super nice components. Um, right. Not that it's you know bad. It's it just needs it, but yeah. Um, um. So you play as superheroes, and the gimmick of this game is that both the heroes and the villains are built by combining a top half and a bottom half. Uh, so, for example, my character was uh, Magnetic Viking or something like that. Right. And, and 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 mine was like a tiger robot. Yeah. So the yeah. bottom half has some sort of passive ability, generally, and the top half has a superpower. And then you have a deck of cards that are your, um, like, five or six actions, which are like block, maneuver, strike, charge, stuff like that. And something to activate your super. And you use those cards in the player phase to, to, to do things. And then you also use them in the villain phase to defend. Uh, because they have a point value. And all of that was pretty straightforward. Fairly easy to understand considering how late and it was and how tired we were. Yeah. And then you run around the board trying to uh, fight the villain and his and his henchmen and minions. It's like a, you know, it's a very simplified version of what you do in Gloomhaven, kind of. Very, very, very simplified. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it it had a, the, the, I come down on a, a I'd say a negative-ish number on this game, just because it, it, uh, it had too much going on for a, as simplistic of mm-hmm. a, a game it was, and uh, that you didn't need to have. And then it, it felt like a checkbox game. Like you're just doing these, it, it had a story and there was a thing and they put a lot of effort into different campaigns or stories that you could play through and stuff. But it was just, here's the checkboxes. You get points for getting the checkboxes first. Do the checkboxes. Yeah. You know, it's that's all it like, really was. Like they had a really good idea for the, for the theme and the style because the board, which they have, two boards and they're double-sided and so that board functions as like the map and the objective and the action lists so you you could follow the setup in the book which is what we did or you could just draw random villain and hero uh tops and bottoms and it's just going to be a similar kind of story the the narrative of each play session and so it's like like they tried to put a lot of replayability into it, which I think if you enjoy the actual gameplay loop, that's great. Um, and there's a lot of flexibility there, but I don't know how different it would be from one session to the next. And it's very narrative to have that like excessive replayability thing. Um, yeah, it, 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 that's funny. That was kind of an issue that was off-putting with it is that it they put a lot of effort into the story and the people, and they put these things called quirks in the games that you can try and be. Yeah, like, we didn't play. We thing. didn't play with that, which for a certain type of person, certain type of group, could be a, a major sort of value add to the experience. Right. Uh, but so, but so for us, that, three three middle aged guys were like, yeah, we're not going to. Yeah, we're not going to talk with Lisp the whole time or something. Yeah. Um, the the thing was is that I they put a lot. It seemed like they put a lot of effort to 
get what I would call the role playing side of it, the, mm-hmm. the side where where it's like here's the story, here's the setup, and then all of a sudden when you're playing the game, it's just a game, it's just a board game that that doesn't really go into that at all. Like the villain doesn't seem like a villain. He teleports weirdly back and forth for odd reasons, just because it's game mechanics. The 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 guys you have to kill don't move or do anything. Um, it's just it becomes a game mechanics thing quickly and they threw all the rest of the stuff out the window and it yeah. didn't feel like it was. So anyway, with that game, I, I come down as a, eh, I'm not sure I would be excited to play it as much as they kind of want you to play it. Right. And it's a, right. Yeah. It's a big, I mean, it's for, I, you know, I sort of spoke negatively about the components earlier. Like it's, it's well-made, you know, the board is a big, uh, like newspaper. So there are headlines. Yeah. They're like leaning into the, the superhero theme, uh, very strongly, but, um, Considering that I've owned it for like four or five years and only played it once and that experience was kind of meh, it's probably going to find its way into the Gen Con auction stack yeah, this, yeah. this fall. I, I will say something I, I, I was really, really excited. There was, there was two things I was really, really excited to play this year because uh, they sound really fun. Uh, was that I did not get to play almost consciously because of you have to make choices. <laughs> and one was a- Aeon's Legacy. I really wanted to play that one a lot. Um, and I opened it up and looked at it and I was like, man, I want to, I want to just see what this is about. I main, mainly wanted to do the Gen Con thing where I could play it once. And then if it's good, buy it. Mm. Um, cause it's, you know, supposed to be a deck building legacy game. So, that, right. you know, that's cool. Uh, but I didn't get to play that and I didn't get to play Captain Sonar. Uh, that was felt like a much more party ish type game mm-hmm. and eight players, two players on a team. It's a. You're, four players, you on know, a team. or sorry, four players on a team, two teams, and you're, uh, you know, playing people at stations at a submarine. You know, one's an engineer, one's a captain, one's a thing, and they have their abilities to help the, the team. Yeah, that, that just sounded fun. That was know? that was being played while we did, um, while we did Heroes Wanted. Um, oh right, and it just looked fun. It sounded fun. They were having a good time playing it. I had also uh, Eon's End Legacy is another Kickstarter game. Um, that I, you know, I paid for, bought like a year ago yep. and, and just arrived. And at the time, I was very much, I mean, if, you, <laughs> if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you know that we both went through kind of a, a peak of being really into a couple of things. Deck builders, uh, campaign slash legacy games, and co-op. And this yeah. game had all three of those things, and I was like, I can't not get this. Like, yeah, that sounds perfect. It's, right? it's, it's check the list, and then, of course, in the in the intervening months, I've gotten a little bit kind of fatigued with the deck builder um, um, loop or or progression. Yeah. It's always kind of the same, yeah. and um, you know, I bought Gloomhaven, which is its own whole big thing in the world of co op campaign legacy genre yeah. and yeah. so this game came like a month ago and i thought you know i bought this with the intention of playing it with my my family a couple of my family brothers whatever and you know there's a group of us the ones that are living nearby who are playing intermittently playing gloomhaven and then my dad and brothers whenever we're together the ones that are sort of spread out now david and and the others um are still working our way through pandemic uh legacy and we're only like halfway through that and there are two seasons you know so even if we decide to skip season two because it's lame 
like season three will be out before we finish season one. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe Eon's End will be one that we can play. I can play with a couple of you guys down in Bloomington when I'm in town and it won't be, you know, it won't be every week, but it'll be, you know, every couple of months when I come down there. Yeah. Just um, to throw a game in. Yeah. Uh, but that didn't happen, uh, due in large part because I let myself be talked into playing Twilight Imperium. <laughs> which which is your big game of the, the weekend. You you actually did that. I was I mean, I knew that they were wanting to ask you, but I just really didn't think you'd take the bait, but you did. <laughs> I, I went came down there and you and Chris were both at Twilight Imperium with Pete. Yeah, like, Pete. Whoa, Pete and Zahn used Chris as a as a um, as a bargaining chip for me. They're like, "What if Chris is playing? Chris, Chris is going to play. Then, then you should play." And I was, you know, I had actually set up uh, the new my new game that uh, Dad found at a Goodwill, um, the Game of Thrones uh, Brotherhood of the Watch, uh, Catan. What, okay. I don't. I don't know what order which of those which of those words go in. It's Settlers of Catan, but themed with the Game of Thrones Brotherhood of the Night's Watch. So it's just the Wall and the Night's Watch at the at the north end of Westeros. If you're familiar with Westeros at all, which if you listen to the show, you probably are. <laughs> um, part of Catan. So there's no or part of Game of Thrones. So there's no dragons, Daenerys. Lannisters, King's Landing, none of that stuff. It's just yeah. the Wall and the Wildlings, which is fits into the Settlers of Catan theme. If you, you know, go way back, probably the the furthest expansion of Settlers of Catan that I played was Cities and Knights, which had this like um, pirate mechanic that, like, a pirate ship would get closer every time somebody rolled a seven, and then they would pillage, and whoever had the most guards would get a VP, a victory point, or something like that. Right. Um, I was reading the rules and setting up to play that and nobody had, you know, sort of wandered by to, to, to play. I mean, people had looked at it, but to jump in it, yeah. I was like, if I start setting this up, three other people are going to show up. And, uh, that didn't happen before I let myself be, uh, <laughs> dragged into the TI. Dragged into yeah. TI. Yeah. So, uh, and that was a, that was a, you guys ended up intentionally wrapping it up. Were you at the eight hour mark? I I was deliberately not paying attention to the time. Um but yeah, we played that and there are a couple of things with really long games and with my whole issue of how badly do I want to win and how do I balance that desire with a desire to not have a bad time, if that makes sense. <laughs> like if I if I pin my whole, you know, existence hopes and dreams on winning and i don't win then i had a bad time and i'm like i could have done nothing right i could have you know played games on my phone for a couple hours and and that gets more difficult the longer a game experience is sort of at least that's what i that's what i tend to think um yeah and so i very rarely enjoyed a super long game like this um, or at least not, not enjoy, not enjoyed is kind of a strong way to say it. At least like didn't really have that great of a time. It was just okay. And so then when the next That's time, what I was wondering is the next time it, it happens, it's like, it's like, oh, you know, I'm okay. Well, I had, I had been in the room when 
you guys played this a couple weeks ago when Fox was in town um, and had watched some of the rules video and just been overwhelmed, but picked up some of it. Well, they watched that video again and it was on while I was reading the rules for Game of Thrones Catan. And so I picked up a little bit more of it. And then I remembered Pete saying before you guys started last time or you didn't play, but before the other guys yeah. started um, that you can only complete one objective per round and you play to 10 points and in the early game the objectives are only worth one point and the game realistically goes like seven or eight rounds and it takes you know one to two hours per round yeah and so he said he said it's very important to always try and complete an objective every round and so i tried to really stay focused on the short-term goals because if I thought too much about all the games that I wasn't playing, like Game of Thrones Catan or Eon's End Legacy or whatever else, because that's, that was my big hurdle to not wanting to play Twilight Imperium. And I'm like, if I play this game, I'm not going to play any other games today. Yeah, and that, that's a real problem with the, at that event. I, I, I will defend taking up that big table for a big solid block with anyone who wants to play a big game because... I know I occasionally absolutely am one of the people that want to do that. Well, um, it's it's like Trotsky said when do it. he, he showed up late, he didn't play, but he said, you know, this is the only time you can do this. Right? Like, it's too, nobody's going to do this at Gen Con. Well, Pete did, but at organized play, so it was time constrained. Um, you know, if it's not if it's not at an event like this, it's at a specific intentional gathering like i did um years ago i played uh one of the arkham maybe the first arkham horror or something yeah. there's one of those cthulhu games that uh that is also a really long game but is maybe co-op or something i forget now. i think it's arkham horror i think is what it is yeah it was arkham something because i remember hearing about it and thinking that it was a batman themed something yeah right uh, and, and it's not it's cthulhu but um yeah. anyway we played through that game um i did okay out of six players i came in third which is yeah. you know not bad considering two of yeah. the two of the guys had played before um zon yeah. and pete and i did better than zon so right uh you know that i was happy with that and at the end a bunch of us pooled our um what in the game they call promissory notes, which are a, a bargaining chip you use in negotiations. When you yeah. try to, you say, hey, I'll give you this if you don't attack me or whatever. Yeah. Well, everybody has, starts with four of those that are generic and one that's unique to their faction. Or maybe five and one. Um, and one of them is essentially a victory point. And so someone suggested in the last round, because... Uh, uh, Chris had said early on, he said, what if we just say 7, 7 p.m. is our is our hard end point? Time. Like, yeah. whoever's win whoever's in the lead at that point just wins. Right. And we didn't do that. We got until like 8, 8.30, uh, you know, with pizza breaks and other, you know, in between. And really started, I think we started at like 2, maybe started setting up at, no, it wasn't. It wasn't two. It it had to have been like one, 
but they started setting it up at like 11:30 um and one of the guys suggested that the majority of us trade our victory card promissory notes to Chris who was in second place so that he could win so that Pete couldn't win and it was it was kind of a like you know with a different group different kind of people could have been you know a real like uh uh you know intense situation but it was like yeah it was like we all kind of knew that yes we were technically literally king making chris to win but everybody knew that it wasn't real we're like yes he's actually winning but pete was in was in the lead and if we had played out the whole game he would have really won and i was behind those two guys so even though i was i wasn't even close to winning it was still a satisfactory experience i've heard that that ti is and it it, it's if you can put some links to the the pictures that are of of that game board uh are i'm sure the listeners will want to see that because it's pretty impressive it's really impressive that all the little bits and bots and pieces and ships it seems to be the quintessential like gigantic very long board game even though the board itself is is not that big right and Um, and it's supposed to be really fun so i that if i find it funny though that you got into that and then last year you were also a world of warcraft guy that was up for that that big thing and you don't seem to me to be to yeah to be one of the guys that would get in a long game but two years in a row you've been in one so it's just kind of like that well maybe this is maybe this really is dennis's thing yeah i mean i i try to try to hold on to the uh we're here just to play games and unlike gen con there's nothing else to do i mean if i really wanted to i could pull out my laptop and start playing a game by myself or something but i i understand there was talk by the way of 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 actually doing land stuff next year yeah if when we talked about it this year but uh aaron never showed and zan was there just to play ti and then and then took off so uh there was never really a possibility uh, of that happening but I, I, I did get to, you mentioned the, the Game of Thrones thing. I did get to actually, soon after you put that up, I, I got it back out and, and played it. Um, but I don't, I, I don't have good things to report that because I was a sourpuss. And I'm admitting mm. this on the show for, for those who were listening, playing it with me. Okay. I, was, I was a great big old sourpuss. Um, <laughs> it, number one, it's, it's Catan. So, or Catan, however you want to say it. it it's, uh, and no matter what, that, that game just is not my game because it is it has random parts in it and i know you can talk all you want about how it's about working around randomosity and stuff but it's just things that are so random in the game just is not great for me and my mentality sure uh, when i when i want to try to make a a decision or a tactical thing or go towards something and then it's just so random all the time what comes up and what you can and can't do and you yeah, anyway, it's just, that's just not me. And Catan is just not my thing. So this is that, and it has the exact same flaws of Catan, in my opinion, for me. Uh, and it hit me just like a brick. I I hit it off the second round or something. We we all have our our town settlements and roads out there. And I'm like, okay, well, I can go this way and go get a, you know, I'm fine as long as I go get a plane. And there's one right there next to my thing. I'll just, that's the first thing I'll do. And I just got to make sure that I, this other guy doesn't come and get me. And I didn't really pay attention. And sure enough, it was Pat. And Pat asked for a trade the first round. And the trade he did was to build the wall in front of me to, to block me off. The wall? And 
Oh. Well, not the wall. Like he built a <laughs> right. road that that it blocked me off, off from doing. Hmm. It cut me off from doing anything. Like I was in a position then to not that whole settlement was useless. Um, and and he it it just he traded. That's Pat. That's just how Pat plays games. Is that like he's there to win and he doesn't care anything about it. Period. Right. He's not one of those that like oh I'll be nice and do. That's just not Pat. And uh, he did it well. He you know, Hey, I'll trade you this thing and I'll give you a set, whatever. Just so he knew intentionally he was trading it with me to ruin me. <laughs> it was like, and that just was like stuck in my craw. I was like, okay, fine. Okay. I'll just, I'll just settle over here and do this. Right. And then the next move, he went over there and he cut my other settlement off. Hmm. And where, so the rest of the game, I was set up early from the third round to not do anything. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably an, you know, I'll I'll defend Catan as my gateway into the world of good board games. You know, yeah. pre pre college, Dennis knew about a handful of games: Monopoly, Risk, and the various card games. Maybe Uno, maybe Rook a couple times. Although the big one was really Euchre, with some occasional. You know, my, with my grandparents, we played a game called Thirty One, which is just a sort of set building game that you play for money but we would play for dimes mm -hmm. and so it was like it's money but not you know not a yeah. not a real amount of money that you know right. it's 40 cent buy-in <laughs> and uh yeah and then i met a group of people when i lived in indy who played settlers of Catan, and then i moved to bloomington and they were like oh well if you like settlers or uh, the indie group called it settlers most people call it Catan. they're like if you like Catan." Uh, then you should try this game called Ticket to Ride and this game called Carcassonne and, you know, the rest, as they say, yeah. is history. Um, but it has a couple of issues if you're bothered by these issues. One of them is that um, initial placement is super important, which makes yeah. it not as beginner-friendly as it seems unless you are playing with people who are uh, exceptionally considerate and... Yeah, like oh, I won't cut you off because exactly, I, I or know. or will help you, you know, make your good uh, picks. The other problem is the dice. I felt like when I used to play it a lot, I always wanted to diversify between eight and six, and in not invariably, but very often, the guy who put both of his things on eights, we would roll more eights than sixes. Um, yeah, right. You always get it. the. I don't love trading dealing as a like as a side part of a game if you're playing a game like uh presumably diplomacy which i've never played but um the yeah. game of thrones game or cosmic encounters or something like that where you have to vote on stuff then yeah the negotiation is part of it um but the trading depending on your group and their personalities can be a real like i'm gonna say cadence killer yeah. like you could have that one guy who's like dead set on achieving some goal and everybody else knows that and they're not going to give him any wheat but he's going to keep asking and he's going to keep trying to make some different deal to the point where you're like do we need to get an egg egg timer out here because you're you're yeah. you're uh you know you're stonewalling the game like let's just you know keep it moving here right, uh, right and so so all of that being said that's all you know it's 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 still that's, yeah. it's still Catan. Th that's Catan. uh tell me and, and, I, and I, tell me about I had, the uh, new mechanics 
Yeah, so I, 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 I said all that 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 about Catan that that I I don't like, but this one this was an it's nice mechanic. It's fun. It's good. It it, it worked well. And if you're gonna play Catan, then you know yeah, play this one. It's kind of like saying uh, people will talk about the base game. You know, you should play the base game of Catan. Which sure, all the expansions center around that base mechanics, but they put these expansions out there to make to try to make you feel like uh, okay, but here's something we're gonna add that's better and makes it better. And it doesn't fix the core problems, but it make it gives you kind of other things to think about. And this one did. It had the wall, um, and every time the other mechanic was that when you would place a a building or a settlement, the wildlings would come down from the north, and slowly start attacking the wall. Um, and the the wall was another thing you could purchase to put a knight up on top of the wall. Um, okay. You got victory points, progressive victory points for so many guys that you had on the wall. Um, and then, so, so they were kind of a way to get victory. And then if the wild, the wildlings could literally end the game because if they overrun your wall, um, and, uh, and when that happened, no matter how much progress you did down on the, the Catan board, in the normal game didn't matter because the game ends. And then the new win condition is whoever has the most guys up on the wall. Hmm. So, so you could play that like. It's just an, an alternate a, a alternate objective to win, right? Uh, so that was neat. It, was, it adds another cool winning thing of the game, and it did get the feeling of like wildlings overrunning the wall, and they had their own. The different miniatures had their own little characteristics that wasn't too complicated, but you know, good enough. Um, so I did like I did like this edition. And if you're a Game of Thrones fan, and if you're a Catan fan, then yeah, this is definitely one buy it because it's. You know, it's going to fit all your favorite stuff. Um, but for me, it's Catan, and I just wouldn't want to play it again. Uh, yeah. So I played that. Um, I played the the Heroes one. Those were probably the, the new games that I got to play. Uh, I didn't get a, get a lot of other, a whole lot of games this weekend because I was doing the, the hosting stuff. Um, but I saw, like, Captain, I mentioned Captain Sonar being played. I saw um, they had a great time at D&D, and uh, we had pulled pork again this year and good good times the the, <laughs> the the movie wall was different because actually people were watching it like i noticed that half the time when people were playing games they were watching one of their favorite shows or sure. talking about it the whole time and which is kind of neat to have that going at the same time we see big lebowski or something right yeah that that got played at least once that i i know there were <laughs> right. there were some there were some repeats um had you played uh legendary villains before I want to say yes. I think I played it when it first came out as a, like, they not hadn't released it, but it's a Gen Con and we're going to have a tournament. So I signed up for it blind, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but my take on villains is that it's the same thing in Heroes, just you just happen to know. They're just using different words. Yeah. And instead of instead of it's villain escape, it's they conquered or it's, heroes. Yeah, it's not you know. as different as Legendary Encounters. Which is oh yeah, not at all. Which is already not that different. This is even less different, and it's yeah. Like I sort of get the appeal if there are villain characters that you really like. Although yeah, Marvel at least in the MCU is not known particularly for having super compelling villains. Um, Sh- sure, but in the comic books they are. I mean, like yeah, they have Magneto, and and you have that's uh, true. I guess if you expand you know, to the whole the whole Marvel, like Magneto, uh. Doctor Octopus, to, there's to an extent Loki, 
Loki, Thanos, Thanos for sure. Thanos. Like, um, yeah. you have some compelling characters there, but it's, uh, it's sort of just a just another perfect example of the deck building sort of tropes, where you know, all the way back to the first deck builder I remember playing is Ascension, and when we played with Pete, uh, he called the currencies Spendy and Stabby. Yeah, as the the purchasing currency and the attacking currency, and yep. I don't think I have played a game uh, with the extent, with the exception of maybe trains and maybe uh, Tanto Kuore, where I'm like, this is a deck builder, and there are two currencies, and they're called something different. It's like when a game calls their victory points honor. Or something. Yeah. Or experience. We had that same problem. Because I played Shards of Infinity. Same, another deck builder. Yeah. And you're like, you don't... Um, I mean, maybe you do and you just accept that nobody is going to use that terminology. Um, right. But, like, now you've taken a fully established game and you're going to call everything different stuff. And you're like... Yeah. And you know what? When okay. when we explain it, like, when, when Shards of Infinity got explained, we just sat at the table and said, this is money. This is attack. That's this is a deck right, order. right, and, and and then all of a sudden you know seventy five percent, eighty percent of the rules. Yeah, it's just like yeah. a um, it's like a social contract. You're like, and I mean, and that's true of of so many board games. Like when you've been playing board games as long as we have, you start to pick up on the trends and the themes, and you're like, oh, this is a deck builder. This is worker placement. This is a push your luck mechanic. Um, yeah, you know, you you maybe not develop, but you acquire the the um, contextual shorthand that is present in any like a specialized discipline like this, like there is in medicine or uh, yeah. astronomy or whatever. Right. And, and it just happens that deck builders are really bad at it. I mean, they're really <laughs> bad. They're really bad that they do it. Everyone does exactly the it's same, thing. exactly the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is unfortunate because you think that there could be some innovation and, but it feels like the, the, the genre is just tweaking. It's, it, it just tweaks things a little bit. My, my cards that are different than your cards and that's, and that's it. Right. Yeah. But ultimately it comes down to spendy and stabby with maybe one that you can. Well, and it's shards of infinity was fun. I liked it a lot as, as to the same extent that I like deck builders because I like deck builders, but you know, did I say you, Oh my gosh, you need to go get shards of infinity. No, it's, if you have a deck builder, this one and you like it, stick with it. You know, it's fine. Mystic Veil is my is my current favorite for that. Did you? So did you? Were those the only three games that you played? Uh, I I might have played a few more. I'm I'm still. It's funny. We talked about it was all the show blur. started. Is, is that is that it's a blur? And I'm still tired. Like I I have had uh, eight hours through the whole weekend. And then last night I had like four or five. Let me see so if I, I'm still I played on the more than you. Mode. So I played. Let's see. Boy, you know it's a blur to me as well. I played legendary. <laughs> I played legendary encounters. Big Trouble Little China. I played legendary villains. I played uh, um, heroes wanted, as as mentioned. Twilight Imperium, uh, a game called Super Fight. Um, oh, Lords, and, and, Lords and of Waterdeep. Wait, you, I didn't know, I didn't know you played Superfight. Yeah, I, I knew you were talking about it. I didn't know you yeah, were it's, it. it's not my thing at all. Like as much as, as much as, you know, we, you and I clearly love 
just talking about stuff. Um, that's a that's a strange game. If if you're not familiar with it, um, the base game of Super Fight is a deck of of two colors, just like Cards Against Humanity. Um, one of those decks is uh, characters, and the other is attributes. Um, and so you draw three of each, and you pick one of each, and that's your character. And then you get dealt a random attribute that might help or might be a detriment. And then yeah, you, 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 said that you and another person in the circle um, then have to defend which of those would win in a fight. Right, right. So the, that that one you, that one you played, I saw a couple. It's just a lot of favorites. arguing. Like if you're the kind of person who really, really loves to argue with your friend for half an hour about who would win between uh, Starfleet officers and soldiers in mechs, uh, mech warrior mechs, uh, this yeah. is exactly your kind of game. And I have not really enjoyed doing that kind of stuff since I was in college. Uh, right. it's, it's exhausting. But I, well, I I played it and it was fine. Yeah, I saw I saw some uh, other games that were that were uh, favorites. It's we have uh, hopefully we have some pictures of of the game wall that we have with. Uh, I'd say there was a, maybe a hundred games there. Maybe uh, I can't remember what we looked at. I mean, my games didn't lot... even go up on those tables. Right, right, and so there's a lot of games. In, in, invariably, they you know you can't play them all, and a lot of them don't ever get played. But um, you. Uh, I say that because there's limited time. And even then, when there's limited time, you almost always see the same fa- fan favorites keep getting sure. played. You come back, and even though you have tons of choices, you're like, I'm going to play this one again. Uh, I saw, um, uh, what's the D&D one where it's the pieces on the board? Uh, kind of yeah, that, that's what I said earlier, Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah, Lords of Waterdeep got played. I, um, I, I was thinking I, the other D&D one. Oh, um, uh, I was in that. Um, Tyrants? Tyrants of the Underdark. Tyrants of the Underdark. Yeah, got played. Uh, Waterdeep got played twice. Oh, it did. Yeah, I was in yeah, one of those twice. Waterdeep games, and I have not played that, I don't think, since I moved, mm-hmm. uh, except maybe when the app came out. I I know that I bought that app. I don't know if I actually oh, played I play, it. I played Blood Rage. I didn't want to... Uh, sorry. I just oh, right, right, right. Blood Rage. Um, I had forgotten about Lords of Waterdeep, how, how well-balanced that game seems to be. And, yeah, it felt good. And may- I always feel good. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but we played it a lot back in the day. Um, you know, we had a couple of guys who really liked it, and so they would push it, and we were like, "Yeah, sure, we'll play Waterdeep." Um, your in your turn decision is small, right? You've yeah. got one guy, and you can place him on a space, and the spaces get taken up. It's worker placement, and so you you know you have a set of options. But those options become limited depending on when you take your turn. Yeah, very limited choice. And you only have two guys. Later in the game, yeah. you get a third. But you're still like, okay, well, I was going to do that. But now I can't because the space is occupied. So what's the next best thing? And yeah. so so the turns move pretty quick. And the goals are pretty straightforward. There is secret scoring, but it's not extreme. Yeah, and, just, and the big thing about it is that there's not a lot of table talk that you have to be like it's 20 minutes about why you should or shouldn't go there and talking the guy down about what he should do. And Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like, I don't care. You just do your job and I'll do my thing and then that's the way it is. I'll, you know? I'll tell you something that, that just occurred to me earlier this afternoon when I was, I was telling Andrew about the weekend when we were talking about different games and different uh, things. He was 
tell me about his most recent uh, D&D session he ran on Friday instead of uh, coming with me to ICG Con. Yeah. Um, I, so, so this is my current, like, dream game. I want to see a game with the with the mechanics and balance of Lords of Waterdeep with the components and art style of Rising Sun. Oh, like a Japanese art style type thing. And 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 not even not even necessarily the Japanese art style, but if you have the Kickstarter edition of Rising Sun with all of its bonus components, the like mahjong tiles and little plastic pagodas and and turtles and stuff like that game is gorgeous yeah very well uh i i don't really like it for for (laughs) a variety of issues with its mechanics um every D &D board game that i've played that i've enjoyed this the same is true of of tyrants of the underdark and it's i can't Mm -hmm. i can't decide which is worse in that respect um because of the you know the the history of the uh not genre of the ip of the yeah. of the property whether it's dungeons and dragons uh magic the gathering has this problem too it's like in order to keep that nostalgia and that identity of the ip both of those are always pulling heavily from this old like early 80s you know dark browns and reds yeah like the conan uh, kind of sort of kind of aesthetic just a really you know ugly the larry elmore paintings and stuff yeah yeah and like if you're into that that's great i i don't think it's really aged well yeah right and, and and they and you're right. And if they went and put another edition of D and D out, and it was very anime looking, then it would there would be you know revolt like you wouldn't believe. So right, exactly, exactly. Right. And yeah. you know even a even a system like um and not even I'm not talking about the system, but uh in the in the era of fourth edition D and D, Paizo came out with Pathfinder, and there are a lot of you know. Pathfinder still pulls on a lot of those styles just because it's still fantasy and it's still, you know, very similar to D&D uh, 3.5. Yeah. Um there's still more there's still more color in the in the um in the character design and and all of that kind of stuff. It's just a different it's just a different aesthetic that somebody can do when they're freed from that uh nostalgia. I mean, and that's true of anything. Like, if you make, you know, Blizzard made Hearthstone, and it's specific to the Warcraft world, and so even though they can do some stylistic things, they're still tied into the, you know, there's a building, and it looks like this, and there are humans and dwarves and elves, and they look like this. It just happens that Warcraft's art style is very cartoony in a way that um, affords them more flexibility. Right. Well, over, overall, the, the weekend was really, really well. Not overall, just I think w- overwhelmingly, I should say. The, the weekend was great. I, I love doing it every year. We have more and more people that are great people. And, and when it, being big, you get to meet new people. And I'm always amazed at how many, you know, nor, how, how do I say this politely, normal geeks <laughs> there are in the world, you know? That, that sure. It used to be this, it, when I was a kid, uh, it was very 
stigma of what a geek was and how they talked and how and i knew a lot of them that war absolutely fits that stereotype yeah just ostracized yeah. and uh, right and and they they have the the greasy hair the the old shirt that they wear the same one all the time and they speak when they don't look at you and uh it, they pronounce it yeah mana. I, yeah i get i get it but nowadays it's just that everyone else likes it anyway right you don't yeah. have to be a certain type um, so, and, and it's good. And I meet new people and, and we still meet the, the very, um, classic nerdy people and they're very cool too. And they're our friends. Uh, but the, the, yeah, it, it went well. I'm just really happy with it. I'm, you know, trying to get my rest in to, to catch up because it's, it is a lot like Gen Con where there's no sleep, um, or no restful sleep, I guess. Um, even you were sleeping on the floor, at least on your air mattress, but <laughs> you know, that's the one thing that's so funny. That's the one thing that I have been able to reserve since the first, very first one. It's, it's always been at my house. And, uh, and the first one just ended up being that way. And from then on it has been. And the one thing that I, I only thing I ask, I'll do anything for this thing, but that my bed is for me. I have a big bed and it's just for me. Um, <laughs> and that was it recently in the last four or five years, I've allowed like, okay, people can sleep in my room on the floor, but my bed is for me. So I have the benefit that the four hours of sleep that I get is pretty good some, sleep. Some in quality a nice sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sleeping on the floor. Um, so I, I sh should, you know, preface it with that. Cause some people get four hours of sleep and they're sleeping on the floor or they're sleeping on the couch or. Yeah. I have a uh, decent air mattress and I'll, I'll say that I, I slept fairly well. I mean, being being awake yeah. at five a.m. will will tend to do that. But uh. I, I had gotten this is a kind of last thing I would wanted to say on this topic was that uh, I was so exhausted Saturday morning from the late night Friday, but I smelled waffles, and oh. because we had a, one of the guys came and was yeah. making these crafted waffles for everybody with fruit or whatever you wanted and chips and blueberries and uh, custom with everything, and I smelled it. And I remember in years past having that same kind of a smell of breakfast and thinking, I'm just going to sleep for another hour or two. I'll get it when I wake up. <laughs> and then you get in there and it's all gone. And I was like, I am not going to miss these I, waffles. I woke up Saturday morning. Um, whatever time I woke up, it's the kind of thing where like I'm on an air mattress and there's a window letting sunlight in. Like I was able to pass out <laughs> last night at 5 a.m. But now that it's like 10 or something yeah, and I'm awake, right. like I can't. I can't, you know, I'm not comfortable enough to fall back asleep now that I'm awake. And so I, yeah. you know, went in the bathroom and got dressed. And before I was done getting dressed, I could smell the waffles. And I was like, that smells so good. <laughs> so good. I got to finish getting <laughs> dressed and get in on that. <laughs> That's right. And he just, and he, Ben, the guy that did it was just, as soon as you walk in, he's like, what can I make for you? Mm -hmm. Here we go. And he had this huge scooping bucket of stuff that he was making it with. Yeah, he like, had a double-sided double, double -sided, uh, waffle iron. He, he was prepared. He was prepared, and, and he did really well with it, and it was really good. So I, no matter if I wanted to sleep in, I just couldn't because it was just so delicious and wonderful for sure. smelling. For so, sure. And Saturday, a Sunday was not so much because nobody made me anything. It was just, <laughs> you know. Uh, another thing somebody brought was just some uh, just some boring, delicious uh, chocolate chip banana muffins. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Chocolate chip banana muffins or the homemade really pop tarts good. or the homemade yeah. pop tarts. Yeah, yeah, H homemade pop tarts that were delicious. 
I think it was Farrell that brought those. She brought some homemade pop tarts, and they were like in a, a grocery bag full of them. Yeah, and they were. I was like, I first got it, and I happened to, to bite into like a cinnamon sugar one, mm. which is like my my. See, for me, it's not like I was like, oh. I don't. It just I did. I just don't like hmm. the granular sugar stuff. Oh, I could see so that. I took the a one, bite of the it. one I grabbed was some kind of jam. So I don't know. Oh yeah, no, th- that's what the thing is that I grabbed that's the what cinnamon you sugar one. No, no, I, I didn't know what this was in this bag, sure. and I went and grabbed it and took a bite of it. I was like, "Oh man, there's a whole bag of these. These, this is they put a lot of work, and this is not going to go over mm. well." I didn't know that the rest of them in there were these different <laughs> jams and jellies. You, and, and everybody starts just mowing on them. Somebody else, like, somebody else up down there this weekend that really wanted that cinnamon and sugar, and uh, they, they and I they didn't get it right. Uh, so yeah, I, I, later on I tried another one. It was like a blackberry one. I was like, "Oh my god, this is the most amazing thing in the world." So we had that. People made, uh, uh, I think, it was it you at one point, that, or Trotsky, who had said that everything I'm eating on this dinner plate has bacon in it. So, uh, that wasn't me, but... It was, yeah. It, yeah. It, you had macaroni and cheese with bacon in it, a, a salad with bacon in I'm, it. I made a meatball sub at one point. Like, somebody brought subs, and there were, <laughs> there were hot dog buns, and I never saw any kind of hot dog. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put four of these meatballs in here cover it with mozzarella and microwave it and this is going to be amazing and it was <laughs> it was so amazing right sydney ended up getting a uh who my daughter was there for the first time this year mm-hmm. she she got a she was just walking around with a solo cup full of meatballs and she was using a <laughs> she was using a straw to poke them with to nice to eat. <laughs> she just found a way to eat what she wanted nature finds so, a way um right I might be so I might be experimenting with something similar to uh, to homemade pop tarts for Gen Con this year. I'm like I don't know, I don't that was know. Neat. How, like that was good. I I way overdid it with the burritos last year, and uh, yeah. So I'm like, what? It's got to be a like grab and go kind of thing because that's the whole spirit of Gen Con. But uh, yeah, we'll see you, if you I can should, manage. I'm you not... should send a message. You should send a message to Farrell and get that recipe whatever she did because that would be a great Get thing that recipe. we'd Maybe, all wake up and just grab it and put it in my bag two of them you know i don't take it with me. i don't do a ton of baking but like that some good uh some good muffins like those banana chocolate chip like that would be a kind of thing because preparing a frozen burrito is not i mean it's not hard but it's not a throw in in your bag before you run rush to an event to catch a lift or whatever uh kind of food so i don't know i'll be thinking about that in the in the intervening months here. Hey, I want to, I want to close this topic out with, uh, saying that, um, I had mentioned that for this weekend, I've changed a lot of my house and moved things around. And, and one of the biggest things I changed is my studio is now upstairs where the computer room is. I, I'm recording upstairs mm-hmm. and it's in the bedroom area of the house. And now on the other side of the wall is my daughter's bedroom. And we were just talking about Sydney and her straw, and she just sent me a message saying, "How dare you talk about the straw?" <laughs> so, so she's listening to the show live. You're, you're caught. She's <laughs> and commenting on stuff. She, now, now we're now we're one of those shows that has a live chat room, commenting on stuff while we're recording. <laughs> while we're recording, right? So it was a good weekend. I enjoyed it. I look forward to it every year, and everybody does. And uh, it, it gets bigger and bigger, but we we still keep a home home feel to it. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's fun. It's good. All right. So moving off of that, good times. Long topic. Let's uh, before we use up all our time here talking about ICGCon, let's talk about our 2020 challenge. This week's challenge is the um, Ridley Scott uh, 
shoot, what's the guy's name? I'm completely drawing a blank. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Roman Gladiator classic, The Gladiator. Yeah, that that is a, a show. I mean, I knew, I knew going into this weekend that I kind of look forward to. It. I haven't seen it in a while, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, it, for many years I watched it all the time. I mean, it just it was just one of those that always played in the background. I always I had it. Know. The music's fantastic. I don't know why, but I. I am fairly certain that I've seen this less than three times. Oh, really? I don't okay. know. I don't sure, know why sure. it is. I think it might have been just the time that it came out. I, I it was, is an epic, so it's a thing to watch. It's a big thing. I was right? big into Braveheart in high school, uh, yep. and that was that was old at the time. Um, you know, I think I know what it was for a long time. Up until I don't even know. I'm not. I'm not even certain that this is not still true. But particularly when I was in college and I really started trying to experience different kind of movies that, like, my parents wouldn't like or or I had never seen. Um, and I didn't have anybody. I didn't have a an older brother or cousin telling me, "Hey, you should watch Ghostbusters," for example. And so, you know, I I knew that there were holes in my in my knowledge and there were in my experience and there were things coming out all the time. And so it was really hard for me to rewatch anything. Okay, yeah, I was like, I was like, well, I've seen that and I've got this list of new things that I've not seen. I have to watch. Yeah, my Um, my my replayability on general in life is is that I I uh, I have always things on. So yeah. I will when I'm doing other things, I've always had something on the TV um, as a background noise. And that's what I do is I put on things that I've always watched before. And I, I almost know line by line so that it doesn't distract me. I know what it is. And every once in a while, I can pop my head in and quote a line and then sure. go back to what I'm doing. Sure. Which was so which was kind I of how we watched uh, how we watched movies this weekend. And I've done yeah. that, particularly when I am at the right place in a in a wave of playing WoW. Like WoW is a classic game for me where I will put something on on my iPad. Um, I've rewatched that is second, at least second watched um, all of Mad Men, all of Scrubs, and maybe all of maybe not all of, but most of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like while I was playing WoW, and so that's sure. that's a different thing. So I think the the time that this movie came out and the fact that the Lord of the Rings came out right after it, it just was not a thing that I watched over and over. Um, well, I, I could I could fanboy about this show over, <laughs> for a long time, uh, so I will restrain myself with that. But uh, R- Russell Crowe is um, he's a, he's a really cool presence in this movie. He's a a big strong guy, mm-hmm. right? But but they they don't have to do what they do in, on a lot of movies with big strong guys. Is ha- show them shirtless with their ripped up ripped bodies at some points. Like oh, he's a big strong guy. He just has a good presence about you know, when he fights in battles and stuff like that. Um, I mean, that might be with cinematography or some, or, or his acting. Uh, but he, he, there's he a lot of that this it's, air of command to him. You it's, know? it's not so much that he's winning battles through just raw brute strength, but it's more cunning. It's more, you know, he was a general. And so yeah. he, you know, with his, with his cunning and his charisma, he gets, you know, when the when the fights really come down to it, he gets the other 
slaves with him to fight in an organized way so that they end up winning. Right. Well, which makes him uh, doubly awesome because there are several fights where he's just one on one and he is, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. He takes that huge, big, you know, pro gladiator down in a fight and then he takes on one on one and he goes into the, the pits earlier on where he's fighting multiple gla- inexperienced gladiators and he takes them all down really quickly. Um, so he, he's just this guy that is, has a lot of, and I, I think it is Russell Crowe as an actor has a, a sure, presence. Definitely. You know, and, and the presence about his command on the thing, which fix Maximus Aurelius, uh, not that's Marcus Aurelius, Maximus Decimus. I can't remember his last name is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, the, his character weight to the whole thing. And that's what makes it all work is that he's, you know, the whole show is about him and you, I don't think you could have a different actor in there and that show would be as good as it would be. Um, he just does such a great job. And then Hans Zimmer, this is Hans Zimmer's breakout music role that he made. Mm. He's made so many since then and probably a few beforehand, but this is his, okay, now things are, and he's been on, Sure, I saw interviews with him uh, when he did another great movies afterwards. And they were like, you know, what what did you think when you were writing the score? He's like, well, I was nervous because, you know, everyone talks to you and they want Gladiator. This is, and I, that was the best thing I've ever done in my life. And how am I supposed to do the best thing I've ever done in my life? And he's in an interview talking about something, other thing he did that was amazing. So he's obviously a great composer, but uh, this was just every little bit of score, every undertone <laughs> is just beautiful and pulls you into everything. So... Man, I love this. I love this movie. Uh, was there anything that uh, that you saw on this one that was anything more impactful or uh, different than you remember it? Um, I mean, I as as previously mentioned, I appreciated the the scenes where he organized the group. Like that felt, um, you know, like a big part of his strength uh mm-hmm. i did watch it last night so i'll admit that i i had <laughs> super tired i had i had yeah. some serious fatigue um right have you ever seen uh the spartacus shows uh i i did not blood and sand was the first one um and they I had a not. couple of spin-offs they had to change the actor because the actor uh um he got cancer or something and, and passed mm-hmm. away um, those were made by stars, the movie network. Yeah. yeah. And they're very like, if you remember the scene or there are probably several of these, but the scene in game of Thrones, when, um, Oberyn Martell fights, uh, the mountain. Yep. Yeah. Up until uh, spoilers, the mountain crushes the dude's skull. Um, mm-hmm. there's all of this, like, this like dancing fighting and it's really it's really intense so yeah. some somewhere between that and the movie 300 which i'm sure you've seen yep where there's a lot of visceral fighting and a lot of slow motion yep but like actual slow motion and not the kind of awkward freeze frame slow motion that i saw a lot of in gladiator yeah um the the combat and and also the the non combat scenes with the uh um ludis uh ludista the the husband and wife who run the gladiator um yeah um school or whatever the ludus 
they call it. Yeah. Um, those actors are um, uh, Lucy Lawless from Xena and um, yeah. and Battlestar Galactica, and the guy who played I think he was Badger in Firefly, and he okay. played he played a lawyer in Battlestar Galactica. Okay. Yeah, They're a married couple running this gladiator school, and they there are some truly, uh, I'm just going to say gross scenes, Game of Thrones style, with them in a way that I think is supposed to convey the the uh, licentious freedom of ancient Rome. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. But then there are these fight scenes that are very visceral, very bloody. The guy who plays um, uh, uh, dead, dead Shot? No. Death Stroke, yeah, okay. The yeah. DC uh, guy in Arrow, the CW yeah. show, yeah. He's one of the other gladiators, and he's a typical big, obnoxious guy uh, that is, you know, starts out as an adversary and becomes a kind of a kind of ally as the show goes on. And those combat scenes, when I remember watching them, I was almost up on my feet, like just really rooting for one of the characters to just cut the other one open. Like there was so much like visceral emotion involved in these fights to, and and I forget when this show was made, probably like 2012, 2014, somewhere in that range. And that might be over. To, it might be more like 2010. Uh, so for some of these scenes, like what I remembered being a really big epic battle at the beginning of this movie uh, back in 2000, still, you know, pre-Lord of the Rings. Not that there was a ton of visceral combat in Lord of the Rings, but so much of it was like, it's just a really tight shot of a sword hitting a dude and some flaming arrows going through the air. It just really... Uh, this is going to sound super critical, but it just didn't age well. Oh, really? So I, I was thinking that it... it uh the cinematography was great. That's something that sets it apart and makes it a, makes it special was those, you know, little tight shots and the, the sand kicking up that they would slow down quickly. And I mean, it I, was, I thought that that said it was it definitely out. better than, you know, if you go even further back to like, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, Braveheart and stuff like that, but so much of it now that I know a little more about, you know, CGI crowd battles and like we, we watched outlaw King last year um it just felt like a lot of um like cinemagraphic cinematographic i don't know like (laughs) like camera tricks it was like oh we can't really stab somebody so if we if we show enough of this fast enough like you get the sense of it without which is you know we used to do all the time right by we i mean the film industry I don't know why I said we, but uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, we as a collective film industry. Yeah, be. exactly. Exactly. Um, and so I don't know that kind of, that kind of prevented me from, from really, really enjoying that. And, you know, maybe I didn't have, I didn't, we watched it upstairs. So we just had a sound bar. There was no, it's a DVD rip. So it's like, it's just in stereo. And so maybe not having the, the adequate level of music, sort of spoiled that for me a little bit but um i think well yeah that's that's yeah. all i have on that uh, 
Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add well, before we get to our our conclusions? The, the, the question on this one, a recommendation is always oh, is uh well not really. I mean, it's this is one of those ones on our list that's almost a no brainer. There, there's going to be things that we see and we know that they're on the list. They're deservedly on the list, and they're you know solid. When we get around to Star or Star Wars, it's going to be like what what else do we have to say here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Gladiator is one of those. It's like yeah, it's here. We're not gonna. Both of us have seen it. Both of us love it. It's, it's you know, if you haven't seen it, then not shame on you, but like, go, you're missing out on cinema history here. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it I, th- I personally think it holds up. I, I felt that watching it today, again, I've watched it so many times. I know everything. And when you get to a certain point, when you've watched so many things, it is timeless for you, maybe. Sure. Right. But it, it did. It felt timeless for me watching it. And I enjoyed watching it through for not just, not just, uh, uh, Kurt, uh, I have to say Kurt Russell, Russell but, Crow. uh, Russell Crowe, um, not just for him, but for the other actor, actors and actresses around them, him, they were all very, very excellent. The senators were perfect for the roles they played. The, the, um, gladiator, I don't know, slave master or whatever was excellent for his role. Mm-hmm. Commodus of course is, um, uh, what's his name's best role still i think walking phoenix i walking yeah, phoenix. i i felt yeah. an appropriate level of like pity and disdain for that character exactly and and that is because of his acting he did I, a good i love his little i love his little speech about about vir- virtues uh, i also virtues so that's a latin um <laughs> right uh yeah vir- how, how he tells his dad like he's got other virtues what what i said to my sisters when we were watching it i said i wonder how many villain characters follow this trope of having a really crappy father yeah right like and i mean obviously a lot of that is his personality but you get you know like he's not the father um marcus aurelius was not um you know wasn't a dad of the year for sure right? yeah he was very open with his criticism is what I'm yeah, open, say. and he was absent father and things like that. But yeah, yeah, the the uh, so he he was he was really good. Walking Phoenix was really good. Um, the and I wish I knew the actress's name that played the sister was excellent because she has such a range of emotions she has to portray, um, and her character is defined by what Maximus says early on the show when he first talks to her. He says, "You're a survivor." And no matter what, you're a survivor. Mm. And throughout the whole show, every situation she's in, that's what she is. She makes every decision so that she and her son can survive. Right. Um, and, and she and she does it so tactfully. There's one part where you think, okay, she's going to be raped here. This is when Commodus is coming up on her and he's like, stay with me. And he sees her and she's like, no. And he's like, well, then kiss me. And she's... She definitely doesn't want to. She goes up to kiss him and then kisses him on the head very sweetly. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, this, this, that was just a little, the way <laughs> she looked at him with, she had a look, the actress had a look of fear. Yeah. But just intelligence at the same time. And just was, it was a great acting scene. And she does that through all the scenes when and she deals with people. And it's interesting, you know, this is me and my experience and my percep- perception, uh, my perspective. This, this is a movie that I've seen twice mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe more than that but you know right. i'd forgotten all the details in between yeah. and in a uh, in a post game of thrones world um the relationship between walking phoenix and the sister character was more tame 
than I expected it to be. Well, I remember when it was out, it was, that was not a tame thing. That was a like, oh right. my gosh, really cringe worthy. And, he's, and I, he's and I know worse that, for him, right? you know, it's not really fair of me, although, you know, I don't know how else you would do it. You know, we talked about, uh, um, Highlander last year. Like I can only, I can only judge a thing based on my, based on now, based on what I see now. Um, right. obviously in its time, pre Spartacus, pre Game of Thrones, pre Lord of the Rings, um, you know, this was a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you, here's an interesting question in the, in the spirit of, of nerd fights and, uh, Star Trek <laughs> versus fight, Star yeah. Wars. Um, right. a movie that's not on this list is Braveheart. Yeah, and I, I actually if, probably there's a couple I would replace. If Bra- you're gonna if you're gonna only watch one movie, which is a ridiculous premise, uh, yeah. hy- hypothetical question. If you're only gonna watch one movie, do you watch Braveheart or do you watch The Gladiator? Uh, I'm gonna get a lot of crap for this, but for me, Gladiator. Mm. I am a I am a Scottish Highlander. Viking that's true. That's true. fan that is is said established many times on this show. Um, I love everything about it, but Gladiator, I just I just can't get enough of it. I, and, I mean, I don't, and I don't like Rome stuff. I really don't. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of Rome. This just played the underbelly of Rome with the warrior. Stuff. You know, yeah. for for all and and I love Braveheart. I said at the beginning of this conversation that I was more into that at at the time that this came out than I than I was into this, or really before that, like in the late. 90s um but for all the things that i've said about movies not aging well um the the story the the sort of revenge the you know the the father and and husband uh aspect of of maximus's character is more pure than um mel gibson's william wallace you know he he has the girl that he that he falls in love with and she gets killed but he still, um, you know, meets up with the princess and and all of that stuff. Um, he's he's tortured and killed at the end, which is not as, you know, it's a different kind of triumph than the. Um, yeah, in both of those endings of these both these movies, that it it would have the what I would call the bad ending, right? Where I yeah. would in typical reviews that people would think of me. That I don't like bad endings. <laughs> I love these movies, and they have what you would call bad endings or, or negative endings where the right. heroes die. Um, and I love them, and I love that they do die in those things. I wish that I remember for years wishing that Braveheart didn't end on that note, um, where the at the kind of in the last five minutes, Robert the Bruce becomes like the hero. When you're like, no, he's not the hero. What the you know? <laughs> but I know it's a historical thing where Robert the Bruce does become the king. But well, it's uh, the it's the tagline to that movie. Uh, you know, every man dies, not every man truly lives. Yeah. Right. And so you get that, right. you get that thing, but of course it's, you know, it's rife with historical inaccuracy, et cetera, et cetera. Like realistically, you should see both of these. Like, yes, they're, yes. they're great, they're, they're fun, excellent, significant pieces of cinema history. Um, yeah. And, but, and, and I love, I love Braveheart. I know we're not reviewing that show today or on this list, but I love lots and lots and lots about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And for me in, in as many negative things as I've said about the gladiator, I think if you're just going to watch one, this one's probably, this one holds up better. Uh, Yeah. You know, than some of the, you know, cheesy accents and bad eighties haircuts, et cetera, from, 
you know the classic uh right. the classic braveheart Th- so this is there's the two on here that i think is funny is that i think that they have mel gibson australian playing a scottish guy and then they sure. have they have uh um another scottish or not uh australian guy in uh god his name russell crowe russell crowe playing playing a spaniard a spaniard which they keep calling him spaniard and he's like he doesn't look like a Spaniard at all. He's he's not you know? he's not Spanish at all. Yeah, it's funny at all. You know, so it's just that was a weird casting thing. All right, so so in our we we should really be doing this at the top of the conversation, but in in our post spoilers recommendations section of this 2020 challenge, um, I think I know what the answers are, but I'm going to ask anyway. Is this a bucket list, aka one time to- one one time watch? Is this a favorite, aka watch frequently several times, or is this a, a don't bother? I obviously watch several times. Obviously, for you, it's it's watched several times. Yeah, for me, for me, it's it's probably a watch once, and if yeah. if you like it, you know, watch watch it again. I don't I don't know that I'll have any uh, driving desire to to see it again, but it's yeah. I, it's, I think it's that good. You, you, it's for sure worth most. Most people would say do it once, yeah. if not mainly because it's not a highly quotable movie. It doesn't have a, sure. And it it, has, it gives its impactful thing that you get and feel and can move on from. Uh, so yes, generally I would say it's a view once, but it's got a bittersweet it's, it's ending. Kind of my thing, yeah. It, it's kind of my thing, so I enjoyed that m- multiple viewings. So but, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. All right, so we're next. What's our next one? Our next one is Little Miss Sunshine. I have not seen this one. You've not seen this. I. I'm pretty sure that I saw this at some point. It's a it's an indie ish film. I don't I don't know. I've not uh I've not done a bunch of a bunch of research on it. It is Steve Carell, Tony Collette, and Greg Kinnear. Oh, that's interesting. Steve Carell is is different for me because obviously he's Michael in the office. Um and mm-hmm. he's a comedian first, I think. But he does have some roles that some roles he does tries to do serious and they fail, but other ones that I really, really enjoy him in. Um, yeah. Some, I think Life of Dan, I think, is one of them where he's like a single dad. He has uh, more he has more range than you would necessarily expect. Yeah. And I and I enjoyed the things. And I actually would kind of like the, the the end of the world one that he was in too. So uh with with Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's cool. I look look forward to seeing this one, and hopefully, there's a reason why it's on the top 100, and I can really enjoy it. So <laughs> the the uh, bucket list, the the bucket list. It's okay, not not a top 100 list. It's an important distinction. A bucket. That's right. Bucket list. Yeah. So um, definitely gonna watch that one. Ready ready to watch something new. Uh, okay. Hey, I did not get to see Discovery. I'm still two two weeks behind on that one. I kind of watched a bit of the other one, but it was too okay, exhausted and all this stuff. That's fine. I'm still one week behind. So cool. So so, but I did get to watch the Orville. I did get to. So this one was a two parter. I because it was I watched two episodes in a row, um, where they go to Isaac the robot's homeworld, and th- this show again continues to prove more and more that it's uh it's definitely. Not channeling '90s Star Trek. It is cha- '90s Star Trek. Um, yeah, just, just super fun. But it it here's the thing that Star Trek every once in a while does its episodic stuff, but then it has a two parter that has a large ramifications to the whole series, and the, it's a big thing that you must watch. I feel like this one will be one of those. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch the Orville, 
and they're going to have maybe there's 400 episodes someday and they're like here's the list of the ones you must watch i think this is going to be one of those those two these two shows are going to be that it's it's like in in star trek uh the what what do they call it the battle of wolf 359 or whatever right. which is the big uh borg invasion yep uh this is like that so if you are watching the orville and don't want to be spoiled uh i mean the show will be over but you could skip ahead just to hear my my wrap-up spiel <laughs> uh yeah this was um this was good it was uh, you know i was not really sure what to expect and as it went on um i particularly loved in part two when uh when they come back with the krill and um and the pilot guy uh is his name john no john is the is the like engineer okay uh what's what's his I name can't, i can't i can't remember his name but i the I'm, redhead I'm pilot guy. yeah he quotes right. top gun you you sh- we should know him because he's so good yeah but yeah he right. i mean he's the everyman right he's yeah. uh he's o'brien from deep yeah. space nine. Oh, he's way better than o'brien like he's way better than o'brien but yes i get you he uh he's also the only uh he's the only comedic relief in this these entire two episodes like there's nobody oh, that makes light or fun of anything that's happening but him that that's just because you see more of him there's a freaking norm mcdonald playing a, no a that, that's gonna say, i was gonna say moffat is or moffat moffat he's uh, serious in this one uh like he, that's uh, what's he called um shoot, i think it's I, I had it. I think his name's Moffat. Yeah. No, it's like, it's like off talk on it. I had it in my (laughs) head. And then, and then when you said that, I I lost it. You lost it. Well, he, he was in, and he's always a uh, comedic role. He's always one that's just there. It's like, oh yeah, there's freaky alien. He's hilarious. And he's Norm McDonald. But his lines throughout this whole uh, uh, two episodes were very serious. He was that when they showed him, they're taken prisoner for the worried for those life. And he steps in to, because he can help, and he doesn't have any jokey lines. He goes through and does his thing, and then he jumps. No, that's that's true. Uh, the character's yeah. name is Yafit. Yafit, and, I said uh, Moffat, but Yafit. Yeah. And the the redhead's got red guy is Gordon. Gordon, uh, yes, Gordon okay. Malloy. Yeah, right. he's he's hilarious. Like he shows up in that in that Krill Starfighter, and you're like, oh, it's a funny thing. And what does he yeah. say? Like, uh, I had to, <laughs> I had to Google the line because I wasn't sure. I was like, this is from something that I uh, <laughs> sure right. Yeah, top he, guy. He, he has he has uh that line there and he has another one where he comes up and he talks he's like i'm gonna talk to him and he comes up and tries to have a conversation with the guard the robot guard um so mm-hmm. he got to be the 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 comedy part the seth mcfarland comedy part but then seth mcfarland went on this whole the rest of this episode was like okay it's all gonna be serious and all the guys are gonna take it very seriously yeah. and you felt that this was a serious part of the orville universe um, because of that, you didn't take it lightly, right? Well, yeah, it's a, um, you know, it's the thing that we say episodic shows uh, didn't used to be able to do, right? Like, the original Star Trek does City on the Edge of Forever, and Kirk's whole life is changed and affected by this sequence of events where he has to let Edith Keeler die. But it's the 60s episodic TV, and so it has to everything go back to normal next week yeah it's bounced back but, th- but this one is going to have is, changes to how like the krill work yeah this is the... like next generation when um 
when the Borg attack or when Picard gets assimilated, like the show is forever altered by this event. Yeah. And I, and I gotta say to, to bring that back around with the Orville, I'm not sure season two is so episodic. I can't, there's only a few things that are episodic, but all of them, every episode seems to have a pretty permanent to the show changes in the first half of the season. You lose the security guard lady and mm-hmm. they introduce a new one. They have, um, like, uh, like they did with Tasha. What they did with Tasha. They have, um, the thing with the doctor and Isaac, that's super important to both those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Isaac's obviously transformation now into being an only, a traitor to his race type thing. Right. So he's, he's seven of nine. Right. Now, now can I say that, uh, the, the, the head guns was like, Oh my gosh, they're here. They're channeling Dr. Who. Right. Like, yeah. Most outrageous like, thing. Here, that can, here are all the do. things that we can do with special effects now kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a weird thing. Hey, can I ask a, a nerdy question about that show? The, the security officer lady gets shot in the chest. Anybody else who gets shot in the chest seems or insta killed. This is her. I know her race is super strong. Is she also like super invulnerable? I mean, I think it's just part of the whole thing. She still almost dies. She does almost die. Right. Um, it's kind of like it's like the stuff they would do with Spock in the original series, right? They leaned really heavily into the like he's the strongest quote unquote man on the ship, but he's only first officer and he's uh he's driven by logic so you know there are a couple of times where he he loses that logic control and you know he and kirk get in a fist fight and yeah he usually he usually would win it's that kind of you know like the superman thing it's right you get some of that when they go to um whatever her planet is called um Oh yeah, the 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 increased gravity world thing. So, yeah. so, Solea, Solea. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but uh, something I was going to say when you were talking about episodic and this season, they do open this two part episode with uh, a like domestic family scene with Isaac and the two um, the two kids, the two sons. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so that even if you've not been paying attention you missed a couple episodes like they're re-establishing the these character relationships that's at true. the top that's very true that's very true i so say you kind of know even if you missed you can get okay that's right. that, that's that's good writing then that wrote that in there that just to have that little bit at the top um isaac I, again talking about how serious this show gets is there's a part where like the aliens first off you see all the billions of people that died that was a big thing and then the second one is they they are going to murder a little he has Isaac murder a little kid. He it doesn't happen but it's right there. He's like I want you to murder this kid. And you're like, "Oh man, this show's going dark all of a sudden, you know." Yeah. Um so it's it, following the the tradition of the Orville is that when people say they don't know what this show is and they can't describe this show, that's another thing. It's like, "Oh man, but it gets serious and dark. Sometimes it'll hit social issues even. Other times it's a a comedy laugh fest, you know." Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's got to be just the, when they say from the mind of Seth MacFarlane it's just probably how this guy is he's jokey but serious but a real guy but and he just writes like that right sure 
Yeah. So, I mean, you see that in the family guy, but this is a little bit more toned down than that, but, uh, I still can't, can't, I try to define it as a Star Trek nineties thing, but it's, it's its own thing for sure. Uh, still love, still love it. Like every bit of it. And I'm looking forward to, to doing some more Star Trekky things with discovery next week. Uh, yeah. We got to get that. caught up on discovery and we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah that, this, that's not a terrible thing because you know we love that show so much, and I know that we, we when we burn through it, it we wait we wait for another year before we can see another one, and it's just kind of <laughs> rough. So yeah, if you if you liked classic uh, Golden Age, Silver Age Star Trek in the '90s, um, the Orville is worth checking out. It's not Family Guy at all. It's uh, and it's not Discovery. It's not J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek. It's very much like classic '90s era Star Trek. But in that way, we, yeah. we we said about, about deck building games where it's like all the stuff is the same. They just call it something slightly different. Yeah, which, which is, is pretty great. Pretty great. It's yeah. kind of comical, but it's not it's not a parody like you would think it's a parody, but it's it's not at all. They do some stuff that's I, I, I because they have comedy in it. Sometimes I don't know if they're trying to be comedic or they're trying to be 90s Star Trek. I case in point when Gordon decides he's going to like blow up part of the back of his ship or something to shoot it forward. I'm like, is this just Gordon being hilarious and stupid and you're supposed to grow unworthy and say, Oh God, whatever. Or is this a sci-fi trope they're trying to play in here? Right. And yeah, and it's because the show is so mixed, you don't always know what they're playing at. And then like, <laughs> Oh, this was, it, it succeeded and it's not comedy. It's just a sci-fi nineties thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Right. But other times it's just a ha ha ha. They're laughing at, you know, the, um, the, the different crew members or something but sure which which they did they didn't do as much in next generation as they did uh in the original series but there still was some of that yeah yeah good show like the orville yep yep good times Ugh. all right man uh little miss sunshine next week got it we're i'm on Let's it do it get, get but what get kind of mood do i have to be in for this show uh you know i don't know is quirky a mood well, maybe. I mean, is, I, I watched it, it once. It, it's been a long time ago. So, uh, is is it a Mary and Max where I have to be like, okay, happy but somber, or is it a fun time, or did dedicate I, some time to really pay attention? I to I don't remember. I don't remember, but I'm guessing it's going to be in the same space as like maybe a Wes Anderson film. Oh, okay. Or sure. maybe like a Stranger Than Fiction or a I Heart Huckabee's kind of thing. I don't. I don't know that for sure. I wonder if there's a lot. I have to look at this li our list again and see if there's a lot of happy comedy shows on there. Because I know there's the Groundhog Day and we had um, Ghostbusters, both Bill Murray movies, of course. But is there any other? I wonder if there's any other non-somber type movies on this list. I don't I have to look at that. Think is Ghostbusters on here? I don't think it is. Yeah, I thought it was. It's not a bucket list movie. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, Ghostbusters and. Uh, um, Groundhog Day. I mean, if Groundhog Day made it, then definitely Ghostbusters. But well, they're different things. They're, they're, I mean, Groundhog Day. We talked about Groundhog Day. It's so, it's so heavy. Where, I mean, Ghostbusters is great, but it's a, a fairly straightforward kind of adventure story. Right. Okay. So, got got Little Miss Sunshine. I'm, yep. I'm gonna be ready for it. Yep. Let's do it. All right. All right. You've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode eighty. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. Uh, if you like Star Trek and role-playing, Star Trek role-playing, and dirty jokes, check out, check out our other show, KlingonsandDragons.com. It's not safe for work. 
If you've got questions or comments, uh, tell me everything I'm wrong about the Gladiator. You can email us, frontporchpod <laughs> at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we've got contact forms. Uh, we got the list, the schedule of the 100 movie challenge. If you have just a couple uh, movies you want to follow along with us, you can check those out. Uh, if you go to Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to the show. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, that would be awesome. Thanks as always for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night. See you next time. <laughs>